<coughs> on Sunday we went up the mountain we rejoiced in a moment of glory after that we came back down the mountain and now we're working our way through the Lenten journey it's a challenging journey it's a difficult one if you don't want to be challenged don't come to daily masses <laughs> because the scriptures are very challenging sometimes really troubling today's readings are excellent Lenten readings in the first reading and the psalm we are presented with the two ways this is this is not unique to the judeo-christian world this every every great religion has some kind of a description of the two possibilities either you live the right way or you live the wrong way the difference between wisdom and foolishness between being just and being wicked and it's always the case that to live the right way leads to flourishing and to live the wrong way leads to destruction some some description or another in this first reading it it uses the image of a tree a tree meaning the 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 just man who who's planted beside water well he's going to bear much fruit and the tree meaning the wicked man who is uh, in the desert well he's just going to wither up and die and that's the end of him at the end of the reading this first reading it says here i the lord alone probe the mind and test the heart to reward everyone according to his ways according to the merit of his deeds i point to this because a couple of days ago we were talking about this catholic understanding of merit of our responsibility we're not just totally depraved we're not just waiting for the snow of god's grace to come and cover over our corruption no and jeremiah says it god rewards us according to our ways now it doesn't mean that we win our way to heaven or that we we uh, we we win god's love he already loves us he already wants us to be glorious but we do have a responsibility so that that comes up in the reading in other words in the in the two ways before us we're the ones who choose the psalm makes the same basic point and if we make the right choice we're blessed if we make the wrong choice well then we vanish the reason why this is very important is because we have to always evaluate the movements within us according to the right and the wrong ways to live right? because if we just follow every impulse if we don't make a decision about what's the right thing to do well then we're going to be carried away by the wind the wind of our own weaknesses and uh, sinful impulses now that's that that's basic understanding then we get in the gospel this this profound parable of the rich man and lazarus sometimes the rich man is given the name dives simply the latin word for rich so the rich man and lazarus it's a it's a profound parable it's a challenging parable it's a troubling parable and it's deliberately troubling because it reveals the real possibility of torment after this life you might have seen in the news a couple of weeks ago 
uh, Pope Francis made a comment, an offhand comment in an interview, that he hopes no one goes to hell. And he says, I'm not making a dogmatic statement here. I'm not saying that no one goes to hell. I'm just saying I hope that no one goes there. So he, he, he didn't make any, well, there was nothing controversial about that. We should all hope that no one goes to hell. That, who would want, who would, we shouldn't want anyone to go to hell. But, you know, the, uh, the media picked up on it and said, oh, the Pope says no one goes to hell. <laughs> the Pope says there's no hell and all these kind of misinterpretations. I mean, it's right to hope that no one goes to hell, but if you look at the scriptures, there are a lot of descriptions, including straight from Jesus' own mouth, of the torments of people who reject the way, the right way. And here in this parable, there's another one. The rich man ends up tormented by the flames. When we start the parable, <clears throat> I remember uh, reading a commentary that said, this is a, tragic, this is a tragic parable. And when we start the parable, it looks like the tragedy is the condition of Lazarus. I mean, the poor guy. Everything is wrong for Lazarus. And so we say, oh, that's the tragedy, Lazarus. And we look at the rich man, and he has everything. He's got everything going for him. So that's what people envy. Oh, I wish I were rich. I wish I were a rich man. The whole thing changes when they die. This is the great reversal. And then the tragedy, the story that is a tragedy, focuses on the tragic condition of the rich man. And we say, Kawawa ang mayaman. <laughs> Kawawa ang mayaman. Now he's the one suffering. And Lazarus is enjoying the good life. Now when the parable starts and we see the condition of the rich man and Lazarus, it's, it's set up in a, in a, a kind of a, uh, let's just say, it's an exaggerated way. I mean, the rich man is really rich and he has everything. The poor man is really poor. And when we hear about the poor man, Lazarus, we don't say, well, what, what are you doing there? Why don't you get up and get a job or something? We don't, we don't judge the poor man because the way he's described is he's a victim and he's being neglected. So uh, those, those secondary thoughts about why is he in that condition, that's, that's not what the parable is supposed to bring up. The point is the rich man has it all, Lazarus has nothing, and they're going to be judged. We don't, Lazarus, we don't know why he goes to the bosom of Abraham because he suffered. Uh, we don't know if he did anything good, but he certainly, he's not being judged for being poor. The rich man, on the other hand, is judged severely for not doing anything. I mean, the rich man, he had it all and he kept it all. What we realize is that rich man needs something like Lent, right? He needs Lent. He needs prayer, fasting, and almsgiving. There's no, no mention of his praying. Maybe he did pray, but it doesn't say he prayed. Fasting, obviously, he didn't fast because it says he, he dined sumptuously every day. So no fast days for, for the rich man. And then almsgiving, well, there's the biggest omission. He obviously didn't give anything to the man right at his doorstep. So he didn't follow the Lenten program. And because he didn't, he's condemned. 
It's a warning to us. The rich man would probably have said, I'm a pretty good person. I'm not, I'm not doing anything wrong. And the accusation is not what he's doing wrong, but what he's not doing right. What he's not, the obligation of love that he's not fulfilling. He's living without love. That's his real problem. And this is why it's challenging to us because now we're, in this life, we're the rich man. We're the rich man. We're all rich. And we're being asked, well, are you expressing your faith in love? Are you living out your faith in love? Let me tell a little story. This is a hard story for me because I don't really know the, the answer. Uh, I, I was out yesterday. I don't go out that much, you know, but yesterday afternoon I had to run some errands. I went to the bank, so I, got some, I withdrew some money. And I had parked some distance away from the bank because I had to stop in other places. So as I was walking along with a pocket full of money, I had thousands of pesos in my pocket, uh, a, a woman called out to me, Father, Father. A lot of people, I mean, I know I'm a priest. So Anyway, this woman, I, had, I, I know her. I hadn't seen her in years, but uh, I know her from being around. And I, she's a very good woman. And uh, she called me over. She asked me to give her a blessing. And then she asked me to pray for some very... Uh, serious in, intention. She had just gotten out of the hospital and family issues. So within about 30 seconds, I mean, this woman poured out her concern to me and she was so happy to see me. She's happy to see me because she knows me, but also because she could get a blessing of a priest. Okay, so we had a very short conversation. I was happy to see her too. It was nice. She was just sitting in a parked car uh, in, the, in the passenger side. So after that conversation, I turned away from her and right behind me is a man, obviously a poor man, with a child. And the child is holding some kind of piece of plastic. I don't know what. I don't know if he was going to sell something. Anyway, he obviously was approaching us. And my first reaction was, this is creepy. This guy's creepy. I don't like the look of this guy. I don't know. Usually you don't see men holding babies. The beggars, you know, women holding babies, that's a very common thing. But this was a man. You know, a, a, a middle-aged man, not, well, maybe a you know, 30s, and the child is maybe a, a year or two old. So I was walking away, and as he was approaching us, I, I just like, I just like gestured like that, like, I, I, I don't, I don't want to get involved with this character. And I walked away, and I'm about maybe, uh, I don't know, 10 feet from the car, and the woman calls out, Father, Father. And I turn around, and think, oh, maybe she wants, you know, something else. I see her reaching into her purse, and she and as, as I step back toward the car, and I can see through the window. She pulls out a thousand peso bill, and, and she said, "Father, father!" And now, now by this time, the man is closer to her than I am, and I had this instant reaction. If I go there and accept a thousand peso bill, I can, can't very well tell this man I don't have anything to give you. <laughs> I've got a thousand peso bill in my hand, so I said, "No, no, no! You can't give me anything," and I turned away and I left. And, and, and ever since then, I've been thinking, what was the right thing to do? Now, that was an impulsive reaction. It wasn't a discerned decision or anything. But my reaction was, I can't do that to the man. I can't do it to the woman. I can't take advantage of her. And, and I said, and I have a pocket full of money. <laughs> and the whole thing was so contradictory to me that I just, I just left it. I just walked away. I said, no, sorry, no, no, don't give me anything. And that's it. I walked away. 
And my reflections on this, now, and then, of course, here's today's gospel. <laughs> here's the rich man and Lazarus in my face here. And all of us know this experience of encountering beggars on the street. And I met four beggars yesterday in the space of about a half hour. So I mean, all of us know there are poor people everywhere. And the challenge is always of what to do. It doesn't mean you have to give all the money that you just took out of the bank to everyone who you see. That, that, it's not implied. But we are responsible to care for the Lazaruses in our life. And how do we do it? Well, as I reflected on this, I realized the first Lazarus was actually the woman. And I'm the rich man, obviously. She's asking for a blessing. She's asking for prayers. And she exposes her poverty in a very humble way. She's a rich woman. She's sitting in her own car with her purse full of money. So, I mean, she's not poor like Lazarus. But she, she experiences poverty and she is asking for help. And, and so I was able to help her. But when she wanted the blessing of being able to give, I refused it. And I said, oh, maybe I shouldn't have done that because that's not fair to her. Like, that deprives her of an opportunity to, to do giving. So, I don't know. In the case of the man, I said, well, first of all, I just didn't trust the guy. I, I, I don't, and, and what can I do? That's it, it's, it, because it's a judgment, but we have to do, we have to make some judgments. And I wouldn't have given him anything even if I had it. <laughs> I, I just wouldn't, and I wasn't going to buy anything from him. There was something just suspicious about the guy. Now, is that, am I the rich man and that guy's the Lazarus? Maybe. Maybe I'm guilty. But on the other hand, I don't know that guy. And I've never seen him before. In, the, in this parable, the rich man does know Lazarus. He even knows his name. Remember, when they're in the, in the other world, he, 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 uh, the rich man says to Abraham, he doesn't say, send someone to help me. He says, send Lazarus to help me. So he knows Lazarus, and he sees Lazarus as someone who's there for him. So we can't say that the rich man never saw Lazarus and didn't know who he was. He didn't know his real condition. We have to say, no, he knew exactly who Lazarus was and he had a judgment against him. In this case, I don't know who that man is and I, I don't have a judgment against him. I don't know his name. And I don't, I mean, if I were to go there day after day and walk down that street and meet that man again, I would be responsible to find out what's going on here. What, who are you? you know, why are you here? Who's this child? And, you know, maybe there'll be a way to evaluate the right way to express my faith and love for him. So I say it's a hard story to tell because I don't know if I really did it right. My, my kind of uh, imperfect judgment of it is I think I, I basically did the right thing. It, was, it wasn't a decision, but I think my gut reaction was probably right because I did something for the woman. I didn't need to take her money from her. And I didn't want to take money from that woman right in front of a, a, a beggar. It's just the whole thing just turned me off. And well, maybe I'm wrong. Lord have mercy. But I'm telling this story because this parable forces us to think about things like this. It forces us to say, well, how do you love the people who you encounter today? Who's the Lazarus in your life today? Do you even know who he is? Now, we, the, the, the parable implies we know who he is because we see him all the time. So it's probably a member of our family. Maybe it's someone sitting here in the church with us. <laughs> maybe it's uh, you know, someone we work with, uh, someone in the neighborhood. And how do we love that person? 
love is not always best expressed by giving money. Sometimes it is, but not always. Sometimes love, in fact, I didn't give any money to that woman. She didn't need any money. She needed prayer. So I'm, that's right. Anyway, I hate to leave you with an uh, un, unfinished story, but in a sense, this is our Lent. We're all the unfinished story. We're all on this side. We're, we're on this side where we're still rich. And there are Lazaruses before us who in the next life are going to be reigning in glory. But what about us? What about us? We don't know how much more time we have. Last thought. Today is the leap day, you know, leap year. So this is the unusual day, February 29. Uh, last night I remembered uh, a friend of my sister who was born on this day. So I remembered, I know, I know exactly how old she is because she's born on this day in 1960. So she's 64 years old today. So I had her in mind. I was trying to figure out how many birthdays she had. So I looked, at, I looked it up, what about leap days? How do you count leap days? And you know, there's that tricky thing about, about, it's every four years, except for years that are hundreds, except for 400s and all that. It's a little bit complicated. So I was trying to think, does, does the year 2000 count as one of her birthdays? Now, anyway, the reason I'm telling this is because as soon as I Googled this leap day thing, one of the first headlines that came up was, what are you going to do with your extra day? And I, I, the question struck me, what am I going to do with my extra day? It's not an extra day. It's just, it's just a day. It's just another day. And it looks extra on the calendar, but it's not. But then I said, well, maybe that's a good question. What are you going to do with your extra day? Meaning, we're still here. We're still here. We're still alive. In this world, we have not yet gone before the judgment seat. And so what are we going to do with this day? What are we going to do with this Lent? What are we going to do in, in, in glorifying God, in disciplining our unruly nature, in expressing our love for our neighbor, Lazarus.